Welcome all to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. I have conquered self-doubt and seized personal growth. <laughs> Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 407. A few badgies more comes to you now via stringy meat pipe. And just a bit of fleet news before we launch into the episode, Pete, it was but two days ago that we wrapped up the season of Ahsoka on our Force Friday, talking about this latest Star Wars television program. Not sure past, you know, the unannounced date of Skeleton Crew, how the story will continue. So lots to chew over there. And, of course, yesterday was Marvel Studios Saturday. Uh, we went back for a Big Mac and fries as we spoke about <laughs> Loki. old school apple pie, kid. That is the first time. Like, let me, let me put it this way, Pete. That's the first time in a long time I've thought about a, uh, a McDonald's old school apple pie. I don't even know if they still sell them. They do in certain areas. It's super rare. Hawaii is one. You got to go to Hawaii. You're eating better than a old school deep fried apple pie in Hawaii to go to a luau or a pokey place or whatever. Uh, but yeah, apparently that's, that's a one. Uh, and in less positive news, SAG after a talks uh, were suspended this week. Uh, and as we, as we've been noting this, uh, a, a tactic that the studios used at, in the late summer where they go away and say, starve guys until you come back more desperate except it didn't work that way for the writers so i think the actors will only be given extra energy here yeah these uh 20th century uh bargaining tools worked out so well with that strike they'll work out with this one uh it's nonsense we'll we'll uh get a deal for the actors here but they just gotta weather a little bit more but matt we have done it we have saved Star Trek Prodigy. I I saw the news. Prodigy saved. Going to be streaming on Netflix. The, the the first season, then the second season to arrive. Season one later this year. Season two in twenty twenty four. I said, oh, okay, that's kind of surprising. Uh, but whatever. And then, like literally, as the hours, as one hour and two hours went on, I started to think about it. Wait a minute. Netflix is the great enemy. Netflix is the thing that had all its Star Trek taken away so it could go to Paramount Plus. So Pete, here's one option. Funded quite a bit of Star Trek that uh, yeah. Paramount made. Now, here's one option, Pete. They streamed this show. They got it at a good rate. Maybe they're paying. I mean, production is mostly done on season two. So if you're getting it for pennies on the dollar, okay, win, win, win. That's one scenario. What are other potential scenarios here for Star Trek, Prodigy, and Netflix? This is a, you know, beginning of the end type of situation. I buy one, I buy them all. Yeah, and the most interesting thing from that article about how, you know, how it was, how it's moving to Netflix and so forth, the most interesting thing. It was either that or some of the Marvel news that we were discussing yesterday. And Pete, this was news to me. And you know, you and I both, we're keeping track of the entertainment headlines uh, a fair amount. 
do you know which streamer is the only streamer that is profitable currently? Uh, Netflix? It's Netflix. And I read that and I was like, holy cow. I did not know that they crossed over into profitability, but that's a game changer. If you want to can go back to selling them stuff, they can take their profits and they can now be a buyer, you know, a la the CW and things like that. So we everybody predicts that there's not going to be as many streamers five years from now as there were, yes. you know, three years ago. And if one of them is profitable, you know what? If you're a bank, if you're one of these major banks, maybe you you're behind you're you're financing the billion dollar, multi billion dollar buyout of XYZ. So I know I was being a bit flippant on Twitter saying, you know, now Netflix buy all of Star Trek. It's not impossible that the near last place studio, Paramount, I mean, I know Star Trek is one of the, the crown jewels. It's not impossible to say, let's keep Paramount, let's sell Star Trek just to keep the lights on crazier things have happened this might be the first step paramount uh plus being the worst streaming infrastructure i've seen (laughs) and and we consistently have this discussion with our listeners so yeah it is interesting that this has now been opened up and what this could mean moving forward you have to wonder matt i will kick open the door that Star Trek animation, what with kind of lackluster effort in this episode and Mike McMahon's statement, hey, got to get out and tell people about these these episodes, the sooner the better. Um, yeah, what could uh, be going down for them, if not the whole brand? And now that uh, Netflix, yes, they still are, uh, you know, struck from actors, has some money to spend. There's so much potential for change and fast change here. I mean, we've seen it in, you know, whether it's the disappeared stuff from Warner Brothers or Disney doing similar with some of their stuff. And this cancellation of shows that have already been completed and, and all of this. It's kind of like we're back to the back to the Wild West. We're like like regressing somehow. Um, certainly, watch this watch this space. And while I mean the podcast, I also just mean here we go. Watch as streaming starts to change things up again in ways that we can't quite conceive. With that, Pete, let's head into this week's Ready Rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. In the Kala system, the remnants of Badgie are brought on board. Having been salvaged, would you like to learn Starfleet secrets today? Badgie just needs to be brought to base, and the Rutherford interface takes over a Drukmani scavenger. On a Binar ship, there's talk and talk, then the pearlescent threat appears, wiping them out. Those remnants are found by Badgie's new ship. On the Cerritos, it's grappling time, but the aim is still off. Still, grapplers are sick. Freeman updates the crew about the Binar ship's loss, and the Cerritos is on the case, but not Tendi, who's told the robotic peanut hamper has been a model inmate up for parole, and also not included on the case is Boimler, who's headed to talk to Agamus. At the Daystrom Institute, a group therapy session is going well, as is Peanut Hamper's gardening with Agamus. Tomatoes are easy, but for their escape plans, progress continues. Agamus turns his lights blue to talk to Lieutenant Junior Grade Boimler about fragmented data concerning the missing binar ship. 
Time to investigate with Boimler dubious and ready to outsmart Agamus. The computer uses drones to hack into the shuttle. They end up on the beaches of Ecuador with Boimler and Tendi unconcerned. This is an intel mission for the captain. Where is Peanut Hamper anyway? Oh no, Agamus has been betrayed. On Pymeria, Agamus has taken over the place pretty quickly, but sigh, still no Peanut Hamper. To her new location, Tyrus 7A, where a family of exocomps are cleaning the space. She does feel remorse, and all Agamus wanted was to spend time together. Friends forever, headed back to prison soon, of course. But back to the Cerritos, the Jugmani scavenger ship is there, and Badgie is in control, ready to kill. Boop on the nose! Perhaps Rutherford has an answer, and Rutherford is ready to EV suit to the Jukmani ship with Mariner in tow. Badgie is free in the Jukmani vessel via hollow emitters, and Rutherford gives his hollow son a hug. Compassion is filling Badgie, but he glitches and wants revenge, leading to Badgie Silver, a.k.a. Goodgie versus Badgie. Get it? Badgie is ready to hack the Cerritos, and the ship is flooded with Thorazine gas. On the Drukmani bridge, Rutherford notes that vengeance doesn't bring happiness, and logic saves the day. But Badgie doesn't want to be all logical and splits into logic-y. Now Badgie wants to kill all in the Federation. Logic-y attacks and loses. To warp we go. Badgie is ready to transfer himself to subspace across the quadrant. He can kill anyone he wants, but why? With unlimited power and knowledge of the past, present, and future, Badgie will go all due to Goodgie. The end thing. Back at Daystrom, all Agamus wants is rehabilitation and moving in with his best friend. He apologizes to Boimler and gives info on the thefts. That's right, they're not being destroyed, they're being stolen by the pearlescent ship. Back on the Cerritos, the new grapplers are tested. Still off the mark, but getting better. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with the return O-Badgie. Great to get Jack McBrayer's breakout character we knew it was coming from the end of season two, but I just feel like between Badgie and the other characters largely on this list that aren't our season long threat, they really fell short in this episode, particularly Peanut Hamper. But let's keep it on Badgie for a second love the the gag the the conflicted nature splitting goji logic e um i kind of hoped for a few more and and more outlandish again i think that could have lent to more hilarity and less of a this is a big tentpole episode return of a bunch of villains that are on the poster that kind of went I I will start with this. The notion of badgie as a badge, but also has the word bad, and then out of that goodgie and you know, to a lesser degree logic-y, that that made me chuckle. Um was the return of badgie equal to the sizzle of badgie previously? Perhaps it was on par, perhaps it lost a little steam. Um I think I think it's a net win. It's a net win. It's a net win. It it's kind of 
to me, it's a bit wacky, the notion that Badgy is so easily able to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade to a point where he's now across certainly the Federation quadrant. I, I don't, because of the, the medium of animation, I don't kind of take it literally or, or literally figuratively, you know, that image of him rising out of the galaxy. I don't quite take that as a, as a fully literal expression of his uh, physical state or his power state or anything like that. But there's a, I feel like there's a slight <laughs> logic E moment for me there. Um, I think what criticism I might have further is is reserved to Peanut Hamper and Agamus, but um, but Pete, let's first talk about this threat ship, and of course the fact that uh, you called it a while ago that they're not they're not being destroyed. They're still with us some way or another. This is a consciousness. They're they're being brought someplace, um, you know, buried in this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. These ships are being stolen. Oh, okay, there's debris. <laughs> Can we talk all the time? We talked on our Ahsoka podcast. A, a line of dialogue can fix so many things. Okay. Oh, the debris is there to to mask the the theft. Boom. I have now covered my bases as a storyteller and proofed my story from questions, which really is a job of a writer. Um, that Badgie ascends to this next level of consciousness. And what's he see through the portal, Matt, the koala. Okay. Like it's, it's all there. Uh, as for peanut hampers presence, Peanut Hamper is such a strong character, strong enough to quarterback largely her own episode. You know that one, that one in the last the season. best episode of the series to date, for my money. I might call it. I, I'd say it's up there. I think Three Ships is still better. But I hear you. Just in terms of, hey, you know how you you know what to expect from this show, right? Now, welcome to a show that is drastically different for that for that peanut hamper episode. And then we're kind of I, I don't know. I feel like somehow peanut hamper has been defanged. She was tricking the bad computer just so she could get home to Ma and Pa. I mean, I'll take the Star Trek message here that there is good still, and and, and that taking care of yourself in this case through uh, reflection and and through uh, mental health and all of that that that's, that's going to lead to a more positive outcome. But kind of where is the great peanut hamper who twice stabbed us in the back the third time? She's just a little less potent. Yeah, and, you know, that's the gag with Agamus that you expected the double cross and you instead got the innocent. I understand the defeating of expectations, but why we love the character of Peanut Hamper that we're having a discussion about this name, <laughs> you know, that episode, a mathematically perfect redemption where uh, she just goes off and the insane outlandish things, you know, falling in love with a bird person and just coupling the, with a bird person the stuff that comes out of her voice box 
And it it goes with that in this episode. You know, here I'm thinking, oh, we're just warming up. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run this this gag past the parole board. I'm like, here comes an all timer, Matt. Nope. Wanted to be with other exacomps. I, I think it was a complete and total missed opportunity and that that is extended with Agamus. You get this unholy alliance of two threats that have returned uh, in these characters and we knew it was coming and this is the episode it yields with all three of them. This this is not a great episode in the least. It, it's not funny when you had the opportunity. Badgie isn't violent enough. Peanut Hamper isn't vile enough. And Agamus is, you know, casting Agamus as, I guess, what? The lovelorn, sad sack, second fiddle isn't funny or cute i will give some praise to something that um something that lower decks has relied on in a really nice way in prior episodes it being both kind of star trek realistic and also star trek referential this kind of notion of the the very ordinary extraordinary and the notion here that it's like you know boimler and tendy uh yeah, Boimler and Tendi uh, uh, caught and so on and so forth. Hey, we can get out anytime you want. No, we're just lowly lieutenants, junior grade. We're just chasing this threat all the way up. Agamus can do this and that the other. Oh, you captured a civilization. Yeah, the Federation is going to undo it in 60 minutes. Like not to, that, that kind of notion of this, as I said, the ordinary extraordinary. Um, it's, a, it's a thing that lower decks can do um, by virtue of its tone. And I really, I appreciate that. Um, particularly if you're going to do an episode where, uh, kind of in the, um, in the shadow of mathematically perfect redemption, where maybe our characters are not the stars of the show. And, and that's not really the case in this, but if they're going to share, share the marquee with our three, uh, you know, synthetic life forms here, the fact that Boimler himself is not at the center of Boimler's adventure because he's just, just giving lip service to Agamus until he can finally get what he needs out of him. That amused me. I mean, I can appreciate, oh yeah, also, Agamus wants to talk to you, Boimler, as Tendi is attending Peanut Hamper's uh, parole hearing. It's lame that Peanut Hamper did ultimately go straight and, and it was not some Machiavellian scheme um the whole thing with agamus and uh him going along for this you know you you want to see him bust loose and uh yeah i just i just think there's a there's a funnier version of this episode uh, even the the use of setting which we'll talk about a little bit more in the in the next segment but yeah i mean you you get uh our guy you you get um jeffrey combs but i i just think he went 
you know, underutilized. And, you know, again, Boimler's like, uh, all right, this, this is a minor inconvenience. These characters should fear these villains that have been built up to this point, okay? Badgy episodes to this point, highlights of the show. Agamus, a highlight of the show, okay? That peanut hamper second episode, outstanding, okay? You put them all together, this is not remotely one of their top episodes. It is interesting that you should highlight it in that way, given as how, as you're saying, these characters are capable of high stakes, as opposed to, I think of the, the the episode last season, you know, where they're on the planet that, uh, what, your subconscious thoughts come alive and turn you to stone, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Where, like, that's a lower level, or, or, or that's a lower level mission, just in terms of Star Trek stakes, or what the Cerritos actually shows up to do, clean up the the green spheres or whatever, you know, that's a lower stakes mission um, versus these high stakes characters now kind of at a low mission point. It's, I, I think perhaps Pete, your complaints stem from a story foundation and not an execution of a different foundation, if you will. Let's set our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. Pete, surely you're going to be starting with our pearlescent threat ship. It's the koala. <laughs> Come on. You see it through the, the rift that opens up, okay? We got 8, 9, and 10 for it to all come together. Uh, the the Black Mountain linkage here, It's it's all part of it. Do you have a sense as to the why? I mean, it's it's yet again another species. Uh, P.S. I love the inclusion of the binars. I yeah, but that can I, if I may, where was the humor there other than their expressions? It's speaking in numbers, all that. Oh, it's it's the people from you know that early episode of uh, Next Generation. Give me some subtitles and I don't know, like they're teasing a a crew member or or something else or or, or that could be very pedestrian. Not adding up. Like I'm spitballing right now. Funnier things than were presented. Yeah, like it, it could be this very pedestrian thing. Like you know, yes, we're still fighting over your lousy tomato soup, Jacob. You know, just something like that. That's very that's the opposite of these weird aliens with their weird. The decisions suits. to have their dialogue only be a noise, and you have no way of knowing what's said. Then you know, for animation, even fairly subtle expression. Yeah, a, another wasted opportunity in this episode. Let's let's zoom out a little bit. I I know I've said at various points throughout the season. I appreciate kind of the Star Trek fact, the the Space Navy fact that these characters were just promoted at the beginning of this season. Therefore, things like I'm concerned about being about not ranking up, or I want incentive to get the next, uh, you know, rank perk, i.e., get out of the lower decks bunks and things of that sort. That that's not kind of necessarily appropriate. But I feel like 
I feel like I wish there was the next thing. If, if it's not the Star Trek rank, then it could be, you know, Boimler trying to spend more time with his girlfriend or, or something like that. I just, I, I continue to feel, you know, as much as I love these characters, I feel like they have been at a static point this season. And here we are seven episodes through what has substantively changed with them. They've gotten the extra pip. They've gotten different room assignments that's cool and all, but but how are they different as people? Um, I think they're more confident. Um, and I think we're seeing... Okay, so I, I teased, we'll talk about setting. Let's, let's talk about a recurring setting that they hang out around the Sequoia shuttlecraft, and now they've equipped it with what I'm going to call Chekhov's grappler that's very clearly going to be used at the end of the season against this threat. Okay. Um, or maybe just Star Trek loves grapplers. It's a grappler. Uh, um, yeah, it's, but it's they've, Renaissance. they've twice mentioned grapplers this season and, and now they have one. True. True. So it it's, it's slightly less subtle than the ship destroys uh, insert alien species this episode. And um, it seems every other episode Starfleet gets the slightest of, uh, upgrades in terms of, oh, now the, the beta Zeds gave us a picture of it. Oh, now, uh, we know that they're, uh, being stolen and, and not destroyed. Like, yeah, it, it needs to be a little bit more there needs to be a little bit more umph i'm hopeful in these last three they'll really slingshot here um but yeah you reviewing how we've been building uh up our knowledge for this threat here uh reminds me again of this uh quote i think from one of the producers when the season started you know this is the first season where it really truly is serial and so forth um, I mean, I mean, yeah, to, I mean, no. yes, in that each week, each week we you were serial before. Yeah. Well, well, that's okay. just it. Like each week we learn a bit more except for the weeks where it was just, they take another species. I mean, I guess that is a learning in terms of, it's not just in, uh, you know, in, in Klingon space, it's also Romulan space and so forth. Um, but it definitely doesn't feel like the 10 episode movie, um, which maybe I'm I'm inserting words into the into the producer's mouth there a bit, but um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like here we are, we're seven episodes into the season. The best episode of Lower Decks this year was the one that was on uh, Strange New Worlds, which is I would which I would not have anticipated. So, furthermore, about setting, I do dig what they do with the Meglo maniacal AI storage prison at the Daystream Institute with the prison tropes. Okay. Having an AI yard where they play basketball <laughs> and, and lift weights. Cute. Okay. Having the therapy session right next to it, I would argue a little uh, abridged and mashed up, but whatever you got it, that's cute. Having the old, Oh, they they watch a, a movie in the jail, right? Like that happens in every prison movie. Okay, um, I think there's 
other tropes you could have explored. I, I feel like there's, again, a better episode with the characters that are in it um, about them. This is just a kernel of an idea that doesn't pop, okay? You mean to tell me you wouldn't want to see an episode where Peanut Hamper and Agamus engineer an AI riot in the in the mess hall? Huh. You wouldn't watch that? That wouldn't be loaded with laugh-out-loud moments, okay? Instead of, she goes to an unseen parole board meeting and convinces them she's good to go, okay? And is seen the least of the three characters that we all waited for, all right? I mean, hell, get me Badgie breaking into prison to break them out. And you have fun with that. I feel like we we underutilize the, the prison stuff, which is so rife with humor. And gosh knows there's, you know, Star Trek tropes within that subgenre, okay? Come on, force fields and stuff like that. And AIs could could have a field day with, well, you put me behind a force field, but you don't understand that I'm equipped with a, a force field deregulator. So I walk right through it. Like, could be a lot of fun. Um, you're you're definitely pitching a better episode. I, I I don't know that I'm as strong in my criticism of this episode, but you're definitely pitching a better outing. Um, because that's some funny that's some funny stuff there. Put me in the room, Matt. Put me in the room. Um, the Agamus drones. That's an outgrowth of needing to have him do more. Obviously, in the scale of this episode. All right gardening that's why they give it to him makes sense checks out uh winds up using them he's he's but unfettered to he has drones that are misters uh not misters as in gentlemen (laughs) but drones that act to mist uh mist the plants um but then an easy outgrowth or now their phaser power like i even that too that seemed to that seemed to smidge lazy and i know that lower decks exists in this place where shacks dies and we're upset and then two episodes later yes next season he's back and it's just like oh yeah everybody comes back from the dead when you're a higher ranking officer and you go ba-ba-ba star trek um right but those land and this didn't quite i don't i i don't know why the line is wavy but the line is wavy and and a factor of the story I like the, all right, he changes his light, too, and the couple times that that goes referenced. Well, it is convincing, and oh, that, that blue light is reassuring. <laughs> like, that was that was underplayed, and that was effective for that, okay? Um, and again, that could have been part of even more hilarity with it, uh, but, but what was presented there was good. I'll tell you some things that were done well in the episode. Um, the Drukmani referring to Badgie as a demon triangle um, was good. Okay. I also did really like that you mixed up the teams to get a Tendi Boimler mission and a Rutherford Mariner mission cast against what we normally get. That was cute. 
like the way that 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 went. Um, again, I got a ding of Matt, you know, most of the tease we already saw at the end of the previous season. So it's like, oh, all right, he's wait, th this already happened. They're showing me something I already watched in a previous episode and not from another angle or, ooh, we got beamed in and they're, they're messing around with him. Yeah, it, it just felt like maybe they didn't have enough meat on this bone um, or maybe they should have puffed it up a little bit. You know, it's, it's not unusual in a comedy uh, for them to go through a process where they'll, they'll farm out a script to friends and punch it up is, is the, the verb. I feel like this episode really could have been punched up. I know we're down on this episode to varying degrees. I suppose, you know, if next week and the week after and the week after are all home runs, then, okay, this is, this is the pothole. Um, hopefully this, hopefully our feelings are much more positive next week. And this isn't the, the change of a trend, but uh, I'm still willing to bet on Star Trek lower decks given their, their great track record. Well, with Goodgie as a guidance system now uh, still in play, and I want to believe that Badgie, um, subspace existential Badgie, <laughs> uh, is, is still in play. You know, Matt, we talk Loki and the TVA. Here, Badgie is, is every time frame can see the beginning and end of time uh, and, and the handoff to whatever the, the koala, uh, threat, or I, I would gather it's more of a misunderstanding, uh, than anything else in the, in the classic Star Trek way. Um, yeah. And then just RIP logic-y. Do you think that Lower Decks goes for the two-hander and that we get some discovery somehow in the next three episodes where we look yeah. back and go decline decline in star trek episodic output but this was the year that strange new worlds crossed over to lower decks and lower decks crossed over to discovery i mean i love it i i don't know well i do find myself in this position with three episodes to go would i be rooting that next week there will be another deep cut alien and then the week after that there'll be another deep cut alien both of which are uh you know attacked by the ship and then we get the resolution in episode 10 i would maybe if maybe if, if you give us another alien abduction next week then start to give me if not in name give me part one and part two of the finale in episode nine and ten respectively it's got to advance the story but gosh knows matt we need more of tendy and the fact that she's never seen, you know, terrestrial beach sand. <laughs> well, with that, Pete, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. To Twitter we go, Pete, where they were able to rate this week's episode in the following uh, ways. Did they rank it as Lieutenant Junior Grade? That was the lowest one, 14.3%. A Lieutenant Commander set OPIPS, 21.4%. Commander rank? 
And then uh, the captaincy granted by 50% of those who replied on Twitter. Uh, and then first uh, text reply here on Twitter. I'll always call it Twitter, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. So much AI in one episode, I figured we would see them all again, not just in the same episode. The various versions of Badgie were great, but too bad we had to lose Logicy. Finally getting more info about the Pearl ship, but it just brings more questions. Great episode. So Pete, some optimism there from uh, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Hope springs eternal. Uh, next on Twitter, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139 I'll be a Star Trek sourpuss here and say that I thought an episode with the Holy Trinity of Lower Decks AI could have, nay, should have, exclamation point, been better. Sure, there were funny moments. The not koala mystery ship continues, and we did see the koala again, but thumbs down emoji. Uh, and then a reply to that from JC for Open Borders. That's at JC the Mythic on Twitter. I liked the growth shown by all the characters in this episode. It felt like Star Trek showing what a Star Trek universe does in terms of making the best versions of people and sure the AI too. Honestly, I adored it. So there we go, Pete. In three tweets, three different perspectives here on uh, on how the episode felt to them. And I think that is the beauty of everybody getting their feedback in. Pete, this entire voyage, koala on our backs as it is, could not have been made possible without those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. They are our koalas. Uh, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels, but you got to get over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek of our 33 other podcast feeds. And Pete, let's keep the Star Trek conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, on threads, on blue sky, at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-R-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,600 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well, but wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Pete, the pop culture podcast feed will be updated this upcoming Marvel Studios Saturday as we talk Loki episode 203. And of course, back for Star Trek Sunday to talk the next episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you this week's final word. Do you guys want to take a root beer float break? I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?